TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. You have found another edition of the Score North Gopher Show. Thank you so much for doing so. I am Ross Brendel at Brendel Ross on Twitter. Joined today by Mr. Daniel House at Daniel House NFL on Twitter. Daniel, great to see. You. It's been just a what a few weeks since we put a bow tie and go for basketball, and today we're primarily going to spend some time on go for football. Should be fun. It's good to see you, my man. As you hide on the other side of a monitor, so I can see. 85% of you will go with that. We don't have face-to-face at interaction on the Gopher show here. <laughs> you know what, though? With the tension between you and I, that might be a good thing. You know, We don't want to <laughs> come to blows during a show. So it's good to see you, or at least what I can, regardless. So thank you for being here. We're going to call this the spring game edition as we break down the spring game, which took place this past weekend between the Minnesota Golden Gophers and the Minnesota Golden Gophers final score 38 to 20 as Maroon defeats Gold which matters to the players doesn't really matter to the rest of us if I am allowed to say that Daniel I was not there in person I could not make it and I may have been pushed away at the door anyways because it was moved from outside to inside at Athletes Village but Overall, I was able to watch the game. I watched it on Big Ten Network a few hours after it aired. I had other responsibilities that day. My overall impressions, pretty good stuff. I I thought the quarterback play was on par with what we saw last year. At times, I thought it looked really good. And when I say quarterback play, I mean Annex, Dead, and Morgan. I know we had some other guys, but I'm primarily focusing on the ones that we believe will have the most impact on games this season, I, I thought they at times played really well, both through an interception, but both also threw some passes into some very tight windows. And I know we'll touch on the receivers, but I continue to be impressed by their play and mainly the big three with Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman and Ottman Bell. Uh, it's it just seems like the steps that need to be taken, Daniel, to go from maybe being a six and six or seven and six, if you count the bowl victory the steps that need to be taken to maybe go to that next level. When I say next level, I don't necessarily mean 10 and two. I just mean winning a few more games, maybe going seven and five, eight and four. It seems like those steps are being taken not only offensively, but on the defensive side of the ball where I feel like albeit a spring game against your own team. I feel like we're seeing pieces that the pass rush is going to be better. I also feel like the secondary is going to be better. So a lot to break down A lot to get to. I'll start with your initial thoughts on the game based off of anything that I just said or if you have other things you want to add. Well, first with the quarterbacks, you really got a chance to see the strengths and weaknesses of both Zach Anikstead and Tanner Morgan. For me, Morgan did a phenomenal job in the red zone. He had two really well-placed balls, the one to Brevin Spanford in the red zone, just gave him a chance to go up and get the ball and adjust. Spanford will be a weapon this year. He's someone to watch as a potential breakout candidate. With this receiver group, Ross, you look at what you have coming back at that position. There hasn't been depth at the wide receiver group since I I can't recall in my time watching Gopher football of a group that from top to bottom has as much depth as it does. You look at Tyler Johnson, who is just on another level right now, 
you look at the route running progression from even sophomore year to now, it just continues to get better. Rashad Bateman had a monster spring game, seven catches for more than 160 yards, won the spring game MVP. Chris Ottman-Bell caught a touchdown that was reviewed by Fleck on the monitors at a timeout. And then you've got Demetrius Douglas, who is Mr. Versatility. You can move him all over in the slot on the outside, really good in the return game. So you've got a lot of different weapons in that receiver room that you can do a lot of things with. I'm looking like in the red zone, Ross, where you can potentially run a bunch set where you've got Brevin Span Ford, Rashad Bateman, and Chris Ottman-Bell bunched up on uh, in, in the formation. Then you got Johnson one-on-one on the outside, or you can do vice versa. You can mix and match with all those pass passing game threats. That's a huge weapon for the quarterbacks. Well, and Daniel, I think it's the versatility of what those guys do. They almost all excel in many different ways as a receiving core. They complement each other well, but they can also all individually do so many things. I want to touch on everybody, but there was one part in the game, Daniel, and I think this happened oftentimes last year in the regular season. Whether you were watching at the games or whether you were on TV no matter what, I think you'd see a couple times during the game a throw would be made and you'd you'd cringe a little bit, right? In that split second, you'd go, oh, why is that throw being made? Oh, what a catch. You know, how did that, how did he catch that? How did he get that in that tight window? I saw it again on Saturday, twice with Tyler Johnson, where the ball goes literally right between two defenders, the cornerback and the safety. And he just, when I, when I say alligator arms, I don't mean it in the, in the sense of, oh, he dropped it. He just, has a way of cradling his hand so close to the body and bringing the football in that I I don't know if I've ever seen a gopher wide receiver be able to do that. They've had good wide receivers come through here. Obviously, Eric Decker, Ron Johnson, and many others. But Tyler Johnson, I don't want to undersell how impressive what he's doing on the field that, that we're seeing. And I think at some point, Daniel, well, not some point, it'll be after next season, I think he's going to be rewarded by being on an NFL roster. If you got hands like that and can make plays like that in the Big Ten, that bodes well for you. But more immediately for this Gopher football team, I think it just bodes well for this upcoming season. Having having that, and I don't ever want to wish injury upon anybody, Daniel, but they have depth there. It's not just like it's one guy, and if he gets injured, oh, we might be in a little bit of trouble. There's a lot of guys who had a lot of experience last year, and you can poke fun at P.J. Flack, if you want to, and even I have for always talking about being the youngest team in America. But at some point, that does have advantages. And where that has advantages, Daniel, in my eyes, is gaining all that experience, creating depth. And now you have it for not if injuries happen, in my opinion, if it's not the receiver spot, it's at other spots. It's when injuries happen. Look at this team in the past. It seems to be not just them. I don't want to make it just a gopher deal. It happens all across college football on Saturdays. But injuries are going to happen. And the fact that they've been able to build up some depth, not just at wide receiver, but other positions, I think is a really good thing for this team going forward. When you look at the receivers, you touched on a little bit, but Johnson's just the complete package, the hands, the route running. That's where you've noticed the biggest growth from him under Matt Simon. He kind of took all of that raw natural athletic ability, really the leaping ability. That was the thing that you noticed the most with Tyler Johnson athletically. He's not going to blow you away with the burner speed, but he's a technical master. He's really gotten down the technique of coming in and out of breaks smooth and the right angles and making plays on the ball after that. 
He's just a very tough matchup, and you said it. The receiver room has a lot of depth right now. Those four guys that I mentioned earlier, plus you've got some younger guys developing in the background. You've got Mike Brown-Stevens, who could emerge eventually as a lethal weapon for the offense. Nabdi Adim Adimir, a lot of people forget about him. Alabama was in contention to land him. Baylor as well. He provides some length to that wide receiver room. They don't really have that outside of the tight ends. So watch for him when he comes in as a potential guy to add another element uh, to the offense. So yeah, the depth overall, not just at the receiver spot, but across the board, you look at the Gophers right now in terms of returning talent. So Bill Conley did a really great piece on this, looking at how teams developed depth on their rosters and what they look like from a returning talent standpoint heading into this season. So a lot of factors are taken into this. S&P Plus, which is an analytic system that kind of looks at efficiency and different metrics. He's kind of put a lot of different data points into this, and he determined that the Gophers are ranked 10th nationally based upon this formula. You break it down even more, they're fourth nationally in returning offensive production, so 90% of their offense is back next season. And they're 61st on defense with 78% returning. So defensively, they have a little bit more of a blend of veterans and young players. But overall, 10th in returning talent, which that's huge. Returning players and having that continuity, familiarity with the system. You see it with the quarterbacks, particularly. I'm watching Anikstead and Morgan not make those little mistakes that they did last year. Going through the progressions, knowing their reads, getting the ball to the right spot. Anikstead provides a little bit more of a vertical threat uh, in the offense and stretches the field in a different way. He's willing to take more chances, throw tight window passes, but yet Morgan does some great things too. He's got command of the offense. He's really good in the red zone. He places the ball well. You just aren't going to get that vertical arm strength that you get with Anikstead to stretch the field. Right now, Zach is probably ahead in the race just because of what he can do, the upside. He's added more weight. I think he throws better mechanically. He's got more arm strength than he did last year. He's built up that component. This team offensively is going to be exciting to watch because we haven't even talked about the running backs yet. You got Mo, you got Shannon, you've got Rodney. How do you divide those carries up? That's a good place to have depth at. So a blossoming offensive line, some tight ends that have really improved. Offense is looking up for the Gophers in the next few seasons. So Coach Fleck said that nothing is going to be decided, and then I believe he, after the game, said nothing really was decided in the quarterback race. Should that be something that worries Gopher fans? The coach had basically said, look, throughout the year, we're going to need both of them. In the past, he's mentioned his desire to have one quarterback and just stick with them. That's what he did last year. Two ended up playing, but his hand was forced by injuries to Zach Anikstead. That's where Morgan came into play. Are we setting up next year for maybe a reversal of that, Daniel, where during some games we're going to see both of them? Is it possible that in some red zone situations we would see Tanner Morgan where maybe for good chunks of the drive it might have been Zach Anikstead or is that going to be avoided? I look at it and think I want to get to the point where we know it's one guy. But I also find it, you mentioned that, and this is not the first time you've said that and I've heard other people mention this, you think Anikstead to steal a golf term at this point might be the leader in the clubhouse as we all have post-Masters fever. I find that to be... A little bit odd because you look at, again, it was a really nice win over Wisconsin and a bowl victory in the quick lane bowl over Georgia Tech. But you look at what the team did 
offensively as far as numbers and win totals with Tanner Morgan versus Zach Anikstead, it seemed like the team maybe rallied around him a little bit more, Morgan instead of Anikstead, but then I will admit it's just possible that the team grew as a team and maybe it didn't really matter who the quarterback was at that point. It was just the sum of the parts coming together. So that was a very long-winded question. My general question, Daniel, to circle back, is it a worry that we don't know who the quarterback is on a team, to your point, seems to have plenty of talent on the offensive side, but does it really matter if we don't know who the quarterback is? Honestly, I feel like there's a lot of clarity at quarterback, and Anikstead, from a standpoint of maximizing the system that they're going to run, he's got the arm and the whole package to really execute what Kirk Shirock and that offense is looking to do, that vertical component that you have to have. You look at the RPOs that they ran last year, the run-pass option looks, they have receivers to get the separation. And if you have a quarterback that can make those tight window throws like Zach, he's willing to take chances. He's pretty accurate. That's going to burn him occasionally. But like you said with Tanner Morgan, he had really solid command of the team. He's a phenomenal leader. He kind of reminds me a lot of Case Keenum in a way. Doesn't have the size, not a you know phenomenal passer down the field, but he he makes the throws that he needs to. The placement's there. He's willing to take chances. He's kind of a gunslinger from time to time. You're like, what are you doing? He does, he just kind of tosses the ball up into traffic, and it seems to land in the arms of the receivers, and they make a play on it. So, Anikstead, to me, has the race, is ahead in the race right now, if I'm giving the job out, just because he has shown the most improvement, he maximizes the system. Eventually, down the road, Ross, they're going to get to the point where they have a permanent quarterback, and it might even get to that point moving forward, because remember, Zach Anikstead and Tanner Morgan are still very young. This is going to be their second year, really playing extended action. I see one of them separating themselves, and it's probably Zach. But get ready for 2021. This Athen Calicomanus from Illinois, the two brothers that they got, he has the chance to be a like a program-changing quarterback, four-star QB they landed in Illinois. This team, Daniel, is going to test us over the next few years just with our linguistics and getting names correctly. There are a lot of long and fun names to pronounce on this team. I'm sure, are you going home each night and practicing them? Well, I like that the Gophers have on their roster the little audio file that you can go and listen to the guy say his first and last name. I just discovered this over the weekend. I had no idea that existed until over the weekend. It really is. It's a cool thing. It's it's nice because then the fans can educate themselves, right? You don't have to guess. They are the only program, and I do a lot of draft research. They are the only program that I have found that has the audio file ever. Very helpful to you, I I can imagine, at least when it comes to go for football players in the draft. Yes, although (laughs) I already pretty much know that to begin with, but it's a good thing for the fans. Well, I also think in the likes of this year's draft, Cashman and Green, pretty easy names to be be able to pronounce. I do want to spend time here. This is the Gophers show, Daniel House. At Daniel House NFL joins us today. I'm Ross Brendel at Brendel Ross on Twitter. I think we need to spend some time on the defense after the spring game and just the defense as a whole. I'm going to start on the defensive line. I think the pass rush, I think hopefully we saw good indications that it's going to be better this year. And I think for this team to make the next step, it's going to have to be. 
But I think where that starts is actually a familiar name, Daniel, with Carter Coughlin. And when I look at Carter Coughlin, I look at a player who I think defines, for the most part still, what this program is going to have to be and built around it. And what I'm getting at is just looking at his three years prior going into his senior year, just the tackle numbers have gone up each year individually. The tackles for loss have gone up each year individually. You also look at 2016, two sacks. 2017, six and a half. Last year, nine and a half. It feels like he's sitting on a big senior year and hopefully 10 plus sacks, which should help take the pressure off the rest of the defensive line. I think we're seeing an infusion of some good young talent to complement that. And then in theory, Daniel, that should trickle down to the back seven of the defense. I'm very intrigued by this defense and them continuing to take steps and positive steps forward that we saw under Mr. Rossi when he took over halfway into the season last year. Well, the big thing for me with Carter Coughlin is how is he used? Are they going to keep him in that traditional R rushing spot, or do we see some occasional 3-4 looks where he's playing outside backer to kind of use some of the other skills that he has incredible in coverage. He's such an awesome athlete that you can use him in different ways. Ideally, recently he's been playing that R spot because they've needed pass rushers so badly. Now, if you can get some production out of Boy Mafe, who is maybe one of the most improved players on the defense and could be a breakout star, you look at the length that he has. He probably has the biggest wingspan of any of the players on that defense. The, just the pure athleticism, and you've watched him improve technically. You've got a Sezi another guy that came in just raw, needed to add more strength. He's done that. He's got all of the traits that you're looking for in a prototype pass rusher. So can they move those pieces around and do some creative things? They showed wrinkles last year where they did some double-A gap blitzing. They've got Kamal Martin to work with, a guy who possesses a lot of length and different traits that you can use uh, with sub-packages. And maybe they come out in a lot of different looks this year. I'm anticipating that. Defensively, we're going to see a lot of creativity, which is a testament to having people like Carter Coughlin and emerging young pass rushers. For me, the pass rush is the key. Last year, they're 94th in total sacks. They had 23 sacks. Carter Coughlin had nine and a half of those. So almost half of the total pass rushing output came from Coughlin. You've got to start getting some production from other players. If they can do that, they're going to get more one-on-one matchups. For me, inside is pretty important. They have added some pieces there. Micah do Treadway, a transfer from Notre Dame at a great spring. Keontae Shad maybe is someone that can step in and contribute. They really need that interior of the defensive line to step up and be stout inside so that they can continue to get better matchups uh, on the outside for some of the pass rushers they have like Coughlin. But how do they use them? That's going to be the fascinating aspect of this year. What did you take away from the secondary in person on Saturday? There is a, a a good chunk of new names and guys who are going to be asked to contribute. What did you see and what did you like? I know the general consensus is from the program and from outsiders. People definitely think they're going to be better there. It was really tough for me to gauge just watching on TV and again for the second straight year, not making it down to any of the practices. So my apologies on that. But without seeing any of these guys up close, it's really tough for me to gauge. What did you see and what did you like? Well, the secondary returned some talent there. Terrell Smith last year was kind of thrust into the fire as a true freshman. And I had a lot of draft analysts send me messages. They were watching Carter Coughlin and Blake Cashman. They're like, 
Daniel, who is this Terrell Smith kid? I'm like, he's a true freshman. There's like no way this kid's a true freshman. He needed to continue improving his body type. You look at last year, he didn't have a lot of strength. So improving against those physical wide receivers in the Big Ten and maybe being able to play more press coverage last year, they did drop back and you know kind of play a lot of off coverage and they played zone to help out a lot. But they also added Calvin Clemens, a JUCO transfer, that possesses a lot of interesting traits as a cornerback, a lot of length and power, strength. He's really raw overall. He's got to get the technical components of the game down. So how do they how do they structure that? Does Coney Durr potentially start opposite Terrell Smith with Chris Williamson in the slot and kind of playing that money package when they go into sub package looks? To me, that's probably how it goes to begin with until Calvin Clemens is ready to play. But Coney Durr is probably one of the best tackling defensive backs on the team. That's where they had to get better was in the open field tackling. Last year, the scheme didn't help through the first half of the year, making these guys have to tackle in space in incredibly difficult situations, but they did have to fundamentally get better tackling, and that's something I noticed they focused a lot on in practice, and it showed up in the game. The tackling in the open field is something that was a lot better. One thing you don't really get to gauge all that much in spring games, and every team does them differently. Some teams don't even do extra points or field goals or they limit them. There's not a lot of kickoffs or kickoff returns. The special teams game is very different in spring games all across the country. The go for football spring game, no different. One thing I live by, Daniel, albeit there are ones that are better at it than others, is to never trust a kicker. The Gophers have really tested that theory though in my lifetime Mm -hmm. go for kickers that I can remember you know mid 90s on you're talking about Adam Bailey Dan Nystrom Reese Lloyd Ryan Santoso by and large when you ask these guys to make a kick and even a big kick more often than not it goes through however I will say this I don't know anything about who is or isn't putting the ball through the uprights next year for the go for football team and that terrifies me Daniel especially if you're on the road in a big big 10 game against a really good opponent and maybe you have a chance to steal a game or maybe you're just going to win a program defining game but you trail by one or two and you need a kid just to make a 37 yard field field goal or heck even make an extra point to force overtime I'm terrified until I see it from who's ever kicking that that's going to happen with regularity I don't know anything about any of these guys so can you Can you put this at ease and maybe tell me who is available and who might actually have these responsibilities to help me sleep at night on Saturdays during the fall? Well, Ross, I'm sorry, but the kicking game is one of my concerns heading into the season. Uh, It's an unanswered question. They are bringing in a grad transfer kicker from UConn, Michael Tarbett. However, he had some struggles in 2017. He was 12 for 18 in field goals. There was a stretch where he missed some big kicks. Uh, and he was able to hit some long bombs in the 50-53 to range, so he has a pretty good leg. He bounced back a little bit in 2018, but didn't have a high kick volume. He only had eight kicks in 2018, so he's someone that will have to come in and try to help. They have Michael Lance, a kicker they really coveted from uh, Georgia. He is someone that could potentially steal that job uh, right away. I mean, it's wide open. The door is definitely cracked for someone to merge because – 
this spring, you look at Brock Walker, you look at Grant Rearson, none of them did really anything to show me that they are going to be the kicker. Like, I can feel comfortable with someone coming in and needing to hit a kick. So, how do you... How do you approach that specialist position? You hope that either Michael Lance comes in and does exceptionally well or the grad transfer kicker, Michael Tarbett, helps out and is effective enough. Uh, Before we move on, point of clarification, Emmett Carpenter definitely fell into that category too. I don't want to leave him off there. Uh, Michael Lance, okay, so let's say it it is him. Let's say it happens to be him. Uh, Was he not... I seem to remember something. He was a fairly highly recruited kicker at one point, correct? Was he not a three- or four-star land for the team, or am I making that up off the top of my head? Well, they had a kicker that was committed to them that was a four-star that okay. was out in North Carolina, and he decommitted and went to Oregon, I believe. And so Michael Lance was actually really high on their board to begin with. He was someone that they coveted, so they were able to get him. I know uh, Rob Winger. See, the thing about this whole special teams thing is, honestly, they have one of the best special teams coaches in all of college football. Rob Winger was up for an award to uh, earn the top, basically top award for special teams coaches in all of college football. So, honestly, having him in the fold to figure this all out, that leaves a little bit of confidence that they'll figure this out and, and develop someone, maybe even Michael Lance immediately because he's got a lot of talent. So the life of being basically a sports fan for anybody, Daniel, it's riding the wave of emotions up and down, right? So when we last got together, you and I, we talked about with James Murphy, we talked about the Gopher basketball season largely being a success and being fairly positive about the next year. Well, then fast forward maybe a couple days from there and we're thinking, oh, Richard Pitino might actually be leaving to take another job. Oh, okay, Amir Coffey's probably going to the NBA. Well, now we know more than likely Richard Pitino will be back next year, but it also seems like more than likely Amir Coffey won't be back next year. And since you're here, I know we primarily talked about spring game, but I do want to pick your brain a little bit just on that situation right there. And if Amir Coffey isn't back, and neither you nor I expect him to be back next year, how does that change things for the Gopher basketball team? I know for me it changes. This, perhaps it should have been on my radar, apparently was on other people's radar. I never thought of this being a scenario. If he's not on this team next year, I'm not so sure I believe that this is an NCAA tournament team. That roster, you have to replace Amir Coffey and Jordan Murphy. And that was my concern when I sat here that one day. I'm going... I don't know. Coffee might declare he looked like an NBA prospect those last 10 games. Can he maybe earn a G League opportunity and take that and hopefully have a chance to elevate up? Maybe that's more beneficial to him and his long-term plan. So you suddenly look at this roster and you go, okay, Marcus Carr, going to be eligible, Jelly transferred, so he's going to be thrust into the fire. You're relying upon Peyton Willis, a uh, transfer they got from Vandy that sat out last season. Then you're looking into the into the post, and you're, you've got a raw Jarvis Amersa. Eric Curry hasn't been able to stay healthy. Daniel Turu arguably is probably the most stable option coming back, and you don't have much rim protection. you got to find some scoring down in the post to – get the production that you're losing from Jordan Murphy back, and that's literally almost impossible. How do you fill all these spots? 
only guy they have committed is Trey Williams. Only guys they have committed is Trey Williams and Sam Freeman from Texas, a rim protector. So Richard Pitino has some roster spots to fill in a hurry. Yeah, and what worries me, Daniel, and, and you can probably touch on this, I can't think of anybody currently on that roster, and and maybe maybe Carr can settle into this. Maybe it's another name that you mentioned. But let's say there's five, ten seconds left in the shot clock and the play is breaking down. I'm not convinced there's one guy on that roster you can get the ball to that can create their own shot. And oftentimes that can win you and lose you some games. Is there a guy who's going to be able to do that for them, or is it going to have to all be just based on quality execution and, and not letting plays fall apart? Because I'm I'm not convinced they have what you had talked about in Amir Coffee, who could just slash to the hoop and create a bucket. You you know how much I love Gabe Kelsher, but I think so yeah. much of what makes yeah. Gabe Kelsher great is that people can set his offense up for him, and that's that's not a knock on him, but the goal should be to get him the ball on the perimeter and let him drain those threes. I don't know if he can create that for himself. You want to set up plays for a guy like Cabe Kelsher. You want him coming off of screens and hitting shots. You're right. Marcus Carr is probably the one guy that you're going to be asking, okay, you need to be able to create your own shot. You've got to be able to take guys off the dribble and be able to hit some tough looks in order to get that offense going. At least they'll have a point guard this year. At least that is going to be – Amir Coffey was playing out of position all year. They will have a natural point guard, but now you lose Amir Coffey, the guy that can attack off the wing. So you're looking at that position, and you're like, all right, is Trey Williams going to be able to step in and be that guy that they really, really, really need? Peyton Willis is the name to keep an eye on. I've heard a lot of good things about him, his work ethic. Him and Gabe Kelsher are in the gym a lot together. He came in here, couldn't play, transferred in from Vandy. Keep an eye on him as someone that could be an underrated player in their system this year. Daniel, that is all I have for you. I think that is a good place to leave it. But I'm going to drop in one thing here, and I know I'm going to take a little bit of heat for it. So I apologize in advance to those who are going to be upset. But a congratulations is in order to the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs for completing back-to-back winning their second straight national championship in men's hockey. Also their third Frozen Four in a row, third title game in a row. Pretty good time to be a Duluth Bulldogs fan right now. Daniel, thank you very much for joining the Gophers show today. Always great to see you. Hey, thanks for having me on. That is Daniel House at Daniel House NFL on Twitter. I am Ross Brendel at Brendel Ross on Twitter. And that is the Gopher Show. We will talk again soon.